Well, last week, Pastor Josh started our first week of three weeks on the book of John, where we we're actually focusing on just three chapters, chapter 14, 15, and 16. And if you missed last week's sermon, I highly encourage you to go back and watch it. It's an incredible sermon where Pastor Josh is helping bring to light for us how much we actually do know God and how much God knows us. If I asked you, what do you know about someone? You probably have a really quick answer. So let's say my wife. If somebody asked me, what do you know about your wife? I could start answering some questions. You know, we'll go easy. Like her name is Sarah. Um, you know, I know her birthday. I know how old she is. I'll get in trouble, so I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> she chuckles over there. Um, you, you know, if you know someone, you can list off interesting facts about them. Because when you know someone, you'll, you know interesting things about them. But you know that that does not mean that you have a deep relationship. Just because I know my wife's birthday, and just because I know the day we got married, and just because I know things about her does not mean that we have a deep relationship, right? And the same thing is true for you. So as last week, as we started this three-week series, diving deep into some of the deep teachings of Jesus and John, we learned last week that we do know God, but the reality is knowing God itself, this knowing facts, about him, knowing that he is love, knowing that he died on a cross, rose again three days later and conquered death. Knowing those things does not translate to relationship with Jesus all in and of itself. So our hope this morning is to take that knowledge that you have for Jesus and put it here. So take that knowledge that you have for somebody and put it here. And the word that I want us to focus on this morning is the word Intimacy, intimacy with Christ. And some of you are in this room going, intimacy? Are we about to talk about emotions? Well, let's go there. Anybody have a relationship in the room that they wish was better? How about this? Um, how about parents? Do you have a relationship with a, with a, a son or a daughter? Maybe an, a, a, an adult child, let's be honest, parents, you never stop being parents. My mother learned that a long time ago. Doesn't matter how old Jeremy is, he's still gonna call her crying. It happens. And maybe daily, that's not the point, don't judge me. But you know that you have those relationships, you never stop parenting, but some of us in the room have a relationship with a child that we wish was better. And for some of us, we sit there and we can list out all of our faults and we feel really deeply sorry for the relationship that we have because in some ways, we blame ourselves. And then despite all of the attempts to restore the relationship, it's still just not good. And you wish it was deeper. You wish it was more fluid. You honestly wish that your relationship with your, your kids was better than just the holidays, where you gather two or three times a year and you buy gifts for your grandkids. And you wish it was deeper. You wish they would call you more regularly. And you just had a deep relationship. Why? Because no matter who we are, we desire and need intimacy. Now, maybe you're the kid who has that relationship with their parents and you feel the same way. Some of us in this room, are, are, our marriages are on the rocks. And we're like, I just need that emotion again. Some of us are in a space where, in our marriages, where we remember how great it was in the beginning. But now it's like, whew. Some of us with our coworkers, we feel that way. Some of us, well, this is a real one. We feel that with our siblings. It doesn't matter how old you get, siblings. Ooh, they're great. I'm going to say that again. They're great. <laughs> and there are relationships in your life. Maybe the relationships with your finances. Maybe the relationship that you're struggling with that you wish was better was actually with an addiction and you need to overcome it. And you're sitting here and maybe what happens in one of these relationships or many of them, what ends up happening is you get to a place of despair. 
hopeless. You don't even know what to do or what to try anymore. You know what's crazy? Jesus feels the same thing with you. He's given everything. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, it illustrates for us the creation, that God created the world, and that he walked and talked with his creation until Genesis chapter 3 comes and the fall happens, and, well, here we are today. And that this entire book has been illustrating for us the true events where God has been drawing nearer and nearer to his people, and over and over again, his people reject him and ignore him. And yet, every one of us in this room can come up with a time and maybe feeling right now this emotion of emptiness. Maybe it's not emptiness you feel. Maybe it's overwhelmed. Maybe I feel overwhelmed. But Jesus promised us joy and peace that surpasses all understanding, yet we feel overwhelmed. What's wrong? Maybe some of us in this room take it a step further and we would say, that Jesus seems so far away, he seems silent. After all of my pleading, he still doesn't show up and restore my relationships. He still doesn't restore my finances. He still doesn't restore my career. And you come in this morning and you just feel hopeless. Why? Well, the truth of the matter is, it's because you desire intimacy. And some of us in this room didn't even realize it. But the core motive of our heart is actually to draw near to God. And we've replaced God with some cheap grace. That cheap grace may come in the form of like something like this. Your career. It's going really, really well. Your finances are going really, really well. Your kids have good grades. They're doing great in their extracurricular sports. Although you're busy and overwhelmed and chaotic, you feel really good about life because things are just going really well. And instead of drawing near and deep with God, you've traded him for cheap grace or a cheap emotion that the moment that is no longer true, your life feels like a wreck. Well, I have a word for you this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit truly has a word for you. And that is this, that there is never going to be a time that Jesus does not want to lift you up at your worst. Hear this. There is not going to be a time, I believe right now, this morning, at this moment, that the living God, the real God, this is real, is ready to lift you up at your worst, to guide you to your best. In him. Would you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, I just pray that right now your spirit would fall on this place. That the words that come out of my mouth would be so pleasing and glorifying to you that I wouldn't even know what I said. It would just be your spirit at work in me and through me. That every hearer would be drawn close to the presence of God despite that emotion of overwhelming, that despite that emotion of emptiness, despite feeling like you are so far away and they can't even hear you and you don't even hear them that this morning that there would be a resurrection of the dead, a soul that is lost and doesn't even know where you are and that it would just be resurrected this morning, Lord, for those who have lost faith, for those who have really given up, but they're here because that's what they've always done, that your spirit would come and reveal yourself to them in a fresh way that reminds them that you are their God. Jesus, I believe that you are alive we come into this place to draw near to you. Make yourself known to us. Bring resurrection power. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
If you would, open up with me to John chapter 15 as we continue this, looking at the teachings of Jesus, where he says in John chapter 15, verse 1. You guys ready for this? Here we go. Here's the word of God for us today. I am the true vine. I love John. I just love how he has to say the word true as if we didn't know he wasn't talking about himself. Like Jesus like, I am the true vine. Thank you. But I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And this is a scary verse, verse two. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Anybody else scared? Like, ooh, what if I don't bear fruit? I actually, I think this is the most powerful verse of this entire section once we figure out what it means. He says, he cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jump to verse four with me. Remain in me, remain in me. And I, Jesus says, will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. Let's just come to an agreement real quick this morning. Even if you don't want to admit it, you actually really desire intimacy with someone. And I'm not talking about the form of sex. This is not a sex talk. I mean, where you just draw so close that you just feel safe around them. Where no matter how bad life has been, no matter how much of a failure you feel like, which is my, my cardinal thing, I don't ever want to feel like a failure, that I feel safe. Intimacy is something that we all desire and wish for. And depending on our personality, we reach for it in different ways. Intimacy, remaining with Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you're going, okay, Jeremy, good, but how? Jeremy, you don't know how many times I've tried praying that God would show up and reveal himself to me. You're like, good, thanks for telling me something I've heard like a thousand times. Ooh, great, this is encouraging. Hear this. From verse one and two, if you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you feel like there is no way to have intimacy with God, just take a second and let these words breathe over you. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the gardener. The gardener does what? The work. He didn't say you were the gardener and you had to take care of all the branches in your vine. He actually said, you're not even the vine, you're a branch, which is fully dependent on what? The vine. And some of us in this room are so discouraged with our faith, so discouraged in our relationships because we've only been able to focus on what we've been given to it. And we've lost the fact that Jesus Christ took the first step. Not only is he taking the first step, he's taking all the steps for you. Read this again. Jesus says, I am the true vine. The father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me. Now this is a scary verse if you don't understand what the word cut off means. So the word cut off here is the Greek word is arrow. And this is the exact same Greek word that you will see in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six, where he says um, that, uh, I'm basing it, Jesus says this, that deliver me, lead us not into temptation, lead. That word lead is the same Greek word, it's ero. Do not lead me into temptation, but what? Deliver me, support me, help me out of this mess. Anybody else here going, oh, if the Lord could help me out of this mess, it would be great. And when Jesus says, I'm going to cut off, what he's saying is, is, I'm actually going to cut you off from the dead part. If you don't know how a grapevine works, the way it works is there's this trellis, which, you know, I didn't realize a lot of vines actually needed trellises. So if you've ever been to a grape, 
uh, or a vineyard, you'll see that the grapes are elevated off the ground on this trellis, and the trellis's whole design is to allow the branches to grab onto something so it does remain in the vine. Or it will fall down, the grapes will hit the, the, grapes will hit the ground, and they will be ruined, and they'll be cut off. And what Jesus is saying to you this morning is that if you feel at your worst and you have relationships you can't overcome, I am coming and I am entering into your life right now. The presence of God has promised for you this morning where he is going to lift you up. Ooh, anybody need that? He's going to what? Cut you off, throw you out, ignore you? No, 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 no. Jesus says, I promise again, I am here to lift you up. I am going to lead you and deliver you out of your worst and into your best. But if you're like me, you've spent all this time trying, 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 trying. In order to truly have intimacy with Jesus, we first must acknowledge and just sit here for a second. Let's take a second. And just, Jesus is taking the first step. He's lifting me up this morning. And some of us need this. I sure do. I think if we're honest, let's say this, not some of us, all of us. We need to stop here for a second and not rush on to the next part of the sermon or the next thing today and just remember that Jesus is here to lift me up. And what he's doing, he's lifting you out. He's taken the first step for you. Amen. You're not in this journey alone, although you feel in despair and un- and at a loss of words, or you don't even know what to do next, but Jesus is here. So I know you've heard this a thousand times, but just sit in it for a second. I'm not ready to move on. Sit here. Jesus is here to lift you up out of what? Despair, loneliness, greed, anxiety, depression. He is here to redeem you. He's here to restore you. He's here to transform you. And that is the good news to Jesus Christ that he's already taken the step for you. Can I get an amen? But as in anything, we know that there's two sides to any relationship. And I remember um, in 2011, Sarah was still at Indiana Wesleyan University and, and we were getting a package in the mail with two shirts in it. And that was because we were getting shirts from Indiana Wesleyan for her, I think, jazz band or one of the bands. I don't know what they're called, orchestras, something like that. She, she's the music teacher. I'm clearly not. But whatever. Some music group. I don't know. Sorry. So we get these, these T-shirts are coming in, and I'm excited. I open up the package, and I am pumped. I'm like, I get out of the mail. I walk into my kitchen. I open up the package. I am pumped to see what's inside this thing, to see what the shirts are going to be like to put it on. Like, Haha. So I open it up. It's the 1st of November. You know what you don't do? In the first of November, open up a package from Amazon. Because like it was going to come from Amazon or something. That has your spouse's name on it. This is why Christmas should start on October 1st. Yeah, amen. The wife's like, boo. (laughs) This is why it should. Because I open up this package and isn't there, is there two t-shirts in there? No. It was my Christmas gift from her. Yeah, whew, I still feel this emotion today. Whew, I remember opening up that bag and it was like, oh, that's a mil- Oh, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> and I remember standing in our kitchen going, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. Now, this is a funny example, but let's be honest. Don't you guys feel this way with your faith sometimes? 
where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to grow. There is no way I have messed up. Jeremy, you don't understand how bad work has gotten. You don't understand how worthless I feel. You don't understand how empty I feel or how far my spouse and I are from each other right now. And I remember just sitting in that space going, oh my goodness, I'm screwed. But the truth is you're not. There is a way out. And this morning, I believe that Jesus has three ideas for us. And there's many in this passage, but here's the three that I think the Holy Spirit's going to use to redeem some people in this room. In their relationship with Jesus, but also in your relationship with others. And that start with verse four. Verse four, it says, remain in me. You've heard me say this a thousand times. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. But what in the world does it mean to remain? If I had to go to Nugget, I'd give it to you. I don't have it. Sorry, not that smart. But I do have a couple of things. One, to remain means to be patient. To remain there. When? When it's bad. When it's good. When it's awful. When it's great. To remain means to be patient. Now, for some of you in the room, you're like, but Jeremy, I have tried. I have gone to every therapy session I was supposed to go to. My wife and I can't figure it out. I have, I have still struggled with addiction and it's been years and I have gone to all the recovery things and I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying, but let, I understand how you feel, but let me give you some truth about the vine and this full narrative that Jesus is teaching. Did you know it takes three years for a vine to actually grow from the seed to produce its first fruit? Three years. I don't have patience for that. Let's be real. That's why I've never grown grapes or anything in the garden for that matter, but that's beside the point. I don't have patience, but it takes three years. And some of us need to remember that it's going to take three years to, not always, but to really see the full work of Christ come in and through us. The healing happens in an instant and over time. Not only that, does it take three years? Did you know that the grapes, when they first produce, are not good grapes? They're not suitable for wine. They're not suitable for putting in your kid's lunchbox that they don't actually eat because it's the healthy stuff and they don't eat the candy that you give them, but that's beside the point. You don't give them that first set of grapes. It takes another five to seven years for that grapevine to produce fruit that is usable. It takes time. And it's true with your faith too. It's true with your marriage. It's true. So to be a little bit transparent, I have permission to share this. About six to seven months ago, my wife and I found ourselves standing in our dining room, or in our kitchen at the island in a house we had just moved into six days prior, and our marriage unexpectedly was on the rocks. And I remember my reaction was, I want this fixed now. Like, why can't we just figure this out? We love each other. It's just stupid. And I just want it fixed, and I was so impatient. And I remember being on the phone with my mom. I go, I don't understand I don't know what to do. And she goes, Jeremy, just be patient. Things do heal with time. I'm like, oh, mom. Again, why do moms have to be so smart? And I remember sitting there going, okay, sure, mom. I'll prove you're wrong. And I was so impatient. She was right. But some of you realize that time doesn't heal all wounds, does it? Because there's a second ingredient that he teaches. Not only do we have to remain in the vine and trust him, but jumping to verse seven, he says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and this is important, my words remain in you. What? 
If my words about you, about your family, about your career, about who you are in general, if my words remain in you, then ask anything you wish, and it will be given to you. Anything. Well, you know, with any healthy relationship, it takes transparency and honesty. And some of us are not being very honest with God. When was the last time you acted like King David? And just if you want to be challenged, go read Psalms. And you're going to see a crazy list of just prayer after prayer after prayer where King David is like blasting God and angry with him. And yet, who was King David? The same man who was said to be, have the heart after God. How? Because when he was in the desert, when he was in the valley, in Psalm 23, even in the valley, he is good. How did he get there? Because he was transparent. I think, follow me for a second. I think some of us in this room need to start having some R-rated prayers with God. What do I mean by that? Get real with them. Tell them you're angry. Maybe this morning you sit there and say, but this is how I feel. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, I really, really wanted that. Or Jesus, I am hopeless and I don't know how to get out of it. But yet, instead of being honest and transparent with God, just like we are often not with our spouses and our other family members and other relationships, we just get angry at them for it. The amount of times I've held things over my wife that I actually never told her. You chuckle because it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the amount of things that we hold over other people the same with Jesus. You know what it can do for your faith if you draw near to Jesus and just tell him how you feel? Yes. Just tell him. Do you feel overwhelmed? Tell him. He didn't say the fruit for those who remain in me is overwhelmed. He actually tells us it's joy. Be transparent. Tell him the truth. Some of us in our relationships, we just need to tell them how we actually feel. And I am so grateful that I can stand up here today as a husband whose wife told him how she felt. Because although I was blindsided, not expecting her to say, I'm not feeling it, something's wrong, we gotta figure this out. And I was feeling very insecure with myself. You know how grateful I am that she said that? So standing at that island that afternoon, and I don't know what in the world told me to say this. This is a miracle of God that just came out of my mouth. It's all him. And I remember looking at her going, so do I have to like date you again or something? And with tears streaming down her face, not even wanting to look at me, she goes, boy, am I grateful that she told me the truth. Because these last six months have been better than all the 13 years prior because we dated each other. And it's, I don't say that to be like, put it over you, like, ha-ha, he's got it figured out. No, I don't, but let me tell you, the, the intimacy we feel, and I'm not talking about sex, the intimacy we feel with each other is so much better because my wife told me the truth. And your relationships, a lot of you have to tell the truth. It might be painful. The other spouse is going to feel like me, or you're going to sit there and go, what? You need to just be straight up honest with God. You know he already knows, but let's have a real intimate conversation with God this morning. Tell him the truth. But as you know, time doesn't heal all wounds. Even trust itself doesn't heal all wounds. It takes something extra, a third piece. Verse nine says, it says, the father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now remain 
in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I love this. You ready? Here's the promise. I have told you this so that your joy, so that my joy may be in you. You've met that person who says the joy of the Christ, and you're like, where in the world did they get that? And he continues by saying this, and that your joy, yours, this is for you, may be what? Lost? Confused? No, no, no. Complete. But how do we get there? Remain in my love. What's the love of Jesus? I think it goes back to the very beginning. He fully submitted himself to the cause of bringing us back to him. And in any healthy relationship, it absolutely takes mutual submission and humility. It absolutely takes mutual submission. What do I mean by mutual submission? Because it sounds weird when we're talking about with God, but it applies to our potential intimacy with God and any other relationship. It is when we gather together, collect together all of the best resources we have, everything within us, everything we have, and give it back. I can tell you this is true in my own marriage because I had to figure that out. I had to start buying my wife because it's like one of her favorite things and I still can't figure it out. That means I had to start like slowly slipping things in her car before she would go to school. Like since she was um, really struggling at the time, I would drop off like little cups of chocolate icing. I don't know why, but that brings so much joy to her. I don't get it. But sometimes you've got to get beyond yourself. And even though it seems weird, you give of yourself. And the thing here this morning is that Jesus has already given you everything. But so much of us, so many of us don't realize that or we don't accept it any longer. And we're sitting in this space where we're like, but where's Jesus? Where is he at? And it's funny that we would say that to Jesus when we have yet to submit to him. How interesting that we would be mad at God. Be honest with him if you are. But how interesting it is that we would do that and say that and feel those things to a God that we have yet to truly give ourselves to because we've traded him in for cheap grace. Let me show you what this looks like in my personal life beyond just my marriage. In 2019, in June of 2019, Sarah and I were in Fort Myers, Florida. We were at a church planting conference at the church called Next Level Church. We were 18 months into our church planting experience in downtown Indianapolis, serving predominantly college kids and homeless people, which means we were paying for everything. That's basically what that means. (laughs) College kids. Uh, And we had come at 18 months. We had given absolutely everything, everything to God, I thought. And I was angry with him. Because at that conference, I was on empty. And I was just spewing out these words to God, but God, I was faithful. Why am I here? Nothing to show for it. I was so angry with him that I was starting to question, not just question my faith, but wanting to abandon it. Run from it. Insecurities flying through the roof. And yet at this one night, I'm sitting at a round table in this large, large auditorium with eight people 
my wife and I and six others. And I'm sitting in this pastor's talking about something. It's the last night. You know, it's that last night of conference. It's usually like more celebratory, like, woohoo, look what all God's doing, what he's going to do. And Jeremy's going, God, this is awful. You have done nothing. I have been faithful. You've done nothing. And I'm just angry with him. And I'm sitting there, and I, I have my Bible open to who knows what passage. I wasn't reading it because I didn't care at the time, being honest with you. That's where I was at. And I had my journal open, which is literally on my desk. If anybody wants to see it, I'm willing to sh- show you. And I open up my journal. I'm just sitting there telling God what I think. I'm angry with him. And I get to the point where I'm crying. And uh, I'm an Enneagram 3. For those of you who like Enneagram, Enneagram, which means I like to repress my emotions, which means I don't like to show anybody that I have my emotions. And so if you're in the room, you're like, I don't like emotions, intimacy. You, I understand. But at this place... I'm just weeping and I am angry and I am sad and I am broken and I am completely lost and I am overwhelmed. You name the word, I have it all. And I'm ready to quit. Actually, I've essentially quit. And so much to the point that I actually go to the bathroom to hide. So I'm hiding in the bathroom thinking, okay, this can't last forever. I'm gonna hide out here so nobody knows I'm crying. And because, you know, totally that's a great place to hide out. You know, so I'm standing in the bathroom, just waiting. And the next thing I know, I hear my wife outside the bathroom talking to me. I think my husband's in the bathroom. Like, what do you need him for? He's like, oh, it's just some guy we've never met before. He says, I, I just need to talk to your, your husband. You know, God's told me to. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I just want you to know, if you feel like you're in this room and you're like me and you felt like you had nothing left and you're broken, you're in despair and there is no chance, I want you to know what I'm getting ready to show you is how Jesus is ready to come into your space this morning and he is going to lift you up. That's the true promise here. When I didn't want to remain in the vine and I was done with it, he came in and he lifted me up and here's what happened. This guy's there. I come out because I'm like, at this point, I'm like, okay, this is embarrassing. My wife knows I'm in the bathroom. She's probably figured it out that I'm hiding. He's standing awkwardly outside of a men's bathroom waiting for me to come out. So I do what every normal person would do. I finally come outside. And so I go outside. And in the lobby there, they stand. And he goes, so your name's Jeremy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's nice to meet you. And uh, he goes, "Um, well, I saw you walk out crying. And the Holy Spirit just told me to speak with you. I'm like, oh, great. Someone saw me crying. That's the last thing I wanted. And he goes, but the Holy Spirit got me. And he, you know, this is a man who's connected to the vine. I wasn't, but he was, praise God. He's connected to the vine. And he's starting to produce fruit that transforms not his own life, but everybody else's life, right? And he looks at me, he goes, but God's told me to give you $2,000. And I'm sitting there going, huh? I mean, this man, he didn't know that Sarah and I were literally on our last pennies, giving absolutely everything away because that's what we thought we were supposed to do and it was never rebounding. We thought eventually it would, it would hit and we were literally on our last pennies. And he looks at me and goes, no, 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 no. I need to give you $2,000 and I'm supposed to give your church $2,000. And I literally said this, no. You ever been there where you're so close to God lifting you up to, to give you a blessing that you've been desiring and begging for and you just say, no, you don't believe it any longer? Well, that's who you're here this morning. Stick with me. Because that was me. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm going home in two, and in two weeks, I'm announcing that we're closing the church. We're done. I can't do it anymore. I'm losing myself. Or, ha, I've already lost myself. I'm done with it. I've been faithful. God hasn't. And he looks at me. He goes, well, it doesn't matter. Open up your phone. Go to Venmo because I'm giving you just $2,000. I'm like, well, I guess I'll take the money at least. <laughs> but I believe that this is God, not a chance. I'm not believing this is God. 
Because I'm so broken, I, wouldn't, I refuse to see the presence of God right in front of me through a person who was connected to the vine, who is sharing his fruit. Because I no longer desired intimacy, but it's actually all I really wanted and I wanted it so bad, but I refused to take it. And so, except for the money, I took that, of course. So I, t- I take it and, and then he gives me $2,000 for the church and I'm like, I have literally no idea what we're supposed to do with this. I'm gonna go home and close church. So like, what am I supposed to do with this $2,000? He goes, I don't know. I'm just doing what God's told me to do. I'm just gonna give it out in faith. And I'm like, okay, okay. So what do I do? I go home. I'm still angry with God. My heart hadn't changed yet. But then the next weekend, we're at a church camp that I was speaking at. And you know, God takes me to that uh, the bathroom. I don't know what's up with the bathroom. That's like my altar, I guess. I don't know. Um, he takes me to a, a ratty bathroom. I'm serious. Like no air conditioning in the middle of July, right? I'm in this bathroom in, by Terre Haute, Indiana. And God says, I want you to stare at this mirror for three hours. And I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you're full of it. One, I don't have time for you. I'm done. So you don't feel like you have time for God, give him time this morning. You're going to see what happens. So I look at the mirror and I look at it and he says, I want you to tell me everything. Be transparent with me. What do you see in the mirror? I, I've fought against the audible voice of God so many times. And this time it's like, I can't. I'm like, okay, fine. So I pull out the same journal and I'm journaling. And it is a long list. It's like two, three pages of all the ugliness I felt about myself. What I, the emptiness I felt, I was overwhelmed. I was full of anxiety. I was done. I was broke. Yeah, you just blessed me with $2,000, make it not broke, but whatever. And I just listed all the things I hated about myself. And then he says, okay, okay, okay. Thank you for your honesty. Now I want you to do another thing. I just stared at that mirror for an hour. Whew. People coming in and out, like, what is this guy doing? And it's right in a bathroom that's literally outside of a soccer field. And so I'm standing in this bathroom and for another hour, he says, I want you to look at this mirror again. I want you to tell me in journal what's behind you in the mirror. I'm like, oh, God, I don't have time for this. But I try to be obedient, I tried, okay? So I'm trying to practice the presence of God in my life when I'm fully broken and I've already refused to accept his blessing. I refused to expect, accept his love for me the weekend before. And here I am, I'm looking at the mirror and I see God behind me. And I, you know what I named God? I'm like, unfaithful. I started this list of things I was angry about at him. Because I saw him behind me, not supporting me, not lifting me up. But I'm getting transparent with God at this point. And then he says, okay, you've done this for another hour. You have to go over another hour. This is a true story. I'm like, you, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I'm already weeping. This is ugly at this point. Like, why in the world am I in this random bathroom? But see, I think some of us need to be brought to Jesus in a moment just like this. And this morning, your space. You're lucky you don't have to do it in the bathroom, okay? Be grateful. But that third question, and I sat there for an hour praying about it, journaling, what is in front of you? And my first temptation was to see all my mess again. Because no, 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 no. What's in front of you? I didn't say you. Who's in front of you? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Why it took looking at a mirror for three hours to finally see the presence of God in my life? He goes, look what I've done for you. I've lifted you up at your greatest weakness. At your moment of brokenness, I'm lifting you up. And there are people in this room who need to sit long enough this morning, sit here for the next three hours. I'll stay in the building with you. I don't care. And practice the presence of God because God is ready to resurrect some people like he did me in 2019. And I was standing there in that bathroom, seriously, the most awkward thing of my life. And I went, oh, it's you, God. And I wept 
And I don't like emotions. And I'm weeping going, ah! Because of that moment of vulnerability with God and then saying, okay, God, I submit to you. You see the man you see in front of you. I'm no more special than you are. I'm as broken, if not more, than you are. I create marriage problems out of my insecurities just like the best of us. But when you give God time, when you're honest with him and then you just submit yourself to him, I assure you there's going to be intimacy immediately when you're willing to meet there. So this morning, we're going to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing a couple of songs and the first one's called With You. God with you. Oh, it starts off by saying with my insecurities and my anxiety, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm with you. Can you do something? Do what took Jeremy a lot of crying to figure out. Can you trade in your cheap grace of your career for Jesus? Here's what I'm talking about. When everything is stripped from you like it was for me in 2019, when everything is stripped for you like it was the first week of March in 2022, what do you have left? Because in 2019, I had nothing and I thought it was done. In 2022, I had Jesus. And because I had Jesus in 2022, I was able to go through the darkest hours of my life and I thought 2019 was bad. Let's be honest, isn't that you too? Do you feel empty? Do you feel held captive by your career, by the next job, by the next paycheck, by the next kids event? Can we just, for 10 minutes, sit there, stand, whatever, and just receive the presence of God? It took me three hours to figure out that's all I needed was to receive the presence of God. That's the gift of staying in the vine Remaining connected to Jesus isn't based upon how good you are. It's about receiving the gift of Jesus. And what does it look like? Joy. Joy complete. Despite my circumstances, Jesus is ready to lift you up. Out of your mess. Right now, not some future time. Right now. So as we move into worship, um, and I get ready to pray, I'm just going to encourage you with something before I pray. Um, this is the posture I took last service. I don't know why. This is what God told me to do. May mean nothing to you. May mean a lot. I don't know. But I encourage you to just sit in the posture or stand, whichever you prefer, in this first song, and just stand like this. My father taught me this. To, to put my hands like this so I could like, actually catch Jesus versus letting him just fall. I don't know if it's really significant or not, but it was good for me. Just sit in that presence where you're just receiving Jesus. It's not a space to try and figure out something more. No, it's just to sit and to practice the presence of Jesus. The word remain literally means to practice the presence of Jesus. So we're going to give you that space this morning. Would you do that? Let's pray. Jesus, we 
practice your presence. You are here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Your presence is here. And I believe that you are about to redeem some people. You're about to, t- to dig up somebody who's six feet in the grave and you're going to resurrect some new life this morning just like you've done for me. And the faithfulness that you've shown my wife and I over these last seven, eight months is the faithfulness you're going to show to somebody else in this room this morning. You're going to show the same faithfulness to somebody else in this room just like you did to me in 2019. You're going to come and you're going to meet a need and that need is your, that need is your presence. And that presence is going to be enough. And I pray this morning that we would be still long enough just to feel it and to hear it and to receive the joy and may it be complete in us this morning. This isn't a future time. This is a today. So Jesus, this next 15 minutes is yours. Meet us. May we be open and just hold our hands out to you as desperate children seeking their father. Lord, make miracles happen. Transform our heart. Mend relationships. Bring your healing power and grace into each and every one of us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship.